It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 608 on a Saturday morning. Welcome, my friends. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I'm here in the studio this morning, as opposed to being out at a beautiful Pike Nursery or some other location for the spring. We're back in the studio, I think, now for the next several, several, several weeks, so we don't have anything to worry about getting to places on time, which did cause a little bit of worry last Saturday when I walked into the Pike Nursery Swanee store Right at 6 o'clock, right at 6.01, maybe 6.02, and <laughs> producers there, were, and Scott Maxim here, were looking a little bit a little bit concerned about where was Walter. Well, it was just my directions got turned around, and I went five miles out of my way. What can I say? Five miles means five minutes, and I would have been there a little early, but last Saturday, not so. Today, I'm in the studio. We're here. We're okay. Ashley Frasca, of course, screens our calls. Scott Maxim chooses our music, keeps us on the air, and makes sure that we are properly indoctrinated with anything he cares to share with us. The phone number on Lawn and Garden, you heard it a minute ago, and I'll repeat it for you, 404-872-0750, because there are lots of things that we could talk about in the garden, things that you don't know what to do, don't know when to do, don't know how to do, maybe things that you just started doing and now you're stopped and thinking, oh, was that right? Am I supposed to do it that way? Am I supposed to fertilize with this and then with that? Am I supposed to pull this weed, not that weed? What am I supposed to be doing right now? I saw my neighbor Kim last night, and he and I and my neighbor Gus all have St. Augustine grass lawns. And I drove by Kim's house a day or so ago, and I thought, uh, that looks like Kim hasn't fertilized his St. Augustine yet. Kim? And so I saw him last night. I said, Kim? Time to fertilize the St. Augustine. All right, all right, all right. I'll get to it this weekend. So there are things that you should be doing right now, things maybe that we could lay off on doing that are not quite the right time to do. One of the things you could do right now that I'm hmm, halfway through doing was uh, is pruning your azaleas. If you have azaleas like my azaleas, they are all about 18 inches higher than they were when I finished pruning last year. And when they get about that high, then they block the access to my front door. You can't see the door from the street. It's just sort of messy looking with all those stems sticking straight up in the air in my front yard. And so every year, sometime in late April, early May, I go out and prune as best I can all of my azaleas down about 18 inches, down about so each one is around two or two and a half maybe feet tall. So they look nice, they look green, and they'll recover just fabulous during the summertime. And then will bloom for me next spring just like I expect them to. But if you haven't done your azalea pruning, now would be a good time to think about doing that. There are a couple of azaleas that haven't bloomed yet. Okay, so if you have these particular kind of azaleas, and you'll sort of know it, you'll remember it. One is the Satsuki azaleas. Nice name, Satsuki. And what it really means in Japanese is fifth month, because the Satsuki azaleas bloom in the fifth month, in May. Okay, so your Satsukis have not yet bloomed. And the other are a couple of the native azaleas. I think plumleaf azalea has yet to bloom, and maybe a couple more that are more summer rather than a spring-blooming native azalea. 
So you sort of either remember that they bloomed last year late in the spring, or you remember the name of your azalea maybe when you planted it. But that's one of the things to think about is not all azaleas have to be pruned now, just mostly the the Japanese ones that bloom so pretty, the coral and coral bells and you know red hinodigiri and things like that that were blooming oh, two or three weeks ago and looked so pretty. Well, now they're faded. The flowers are dropping off of them, and now's the time to prune your azaleas. I have used hand pruners, and I have used loppers, and I have used motorized trimmers, and you can choose whatever you want to use. Just try not to make them real tight. Try to make them sort of loose and open so the sunshine can get down into the middle, and your azaleas will look fine. Our number again, 404-872-0750. Comes to us now, our favorite gardener from Spalding County, our friend Nicole. Hey, Nicole. Mr. Reeve. Miss Nicole. Good morning. How are you? Fine, fine. Uh, one year. I did prune them a little too low, Ooh. and last year nothing. This year, perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean that that first year after you make a real severe prune on just about any plant, they spend the next year pouting because <laughs> they think, "Why do you do that to me for? Why are you pruning me so much?" And then the year after that, like you found out, they bloom. Yeah, they love to be a, a natural environment, isn't it? Underneath yeah, yeah. trees and. Uh, it's hard to know how tall my Japanese azaleas would get. I don't think I've ever let any of them grow to their natural size. They would probably be around four to five feet maybe tall. Um, and they would get leggy. And you know how that works, Nicole. When you let a shrub get pretty tall, the top of it is full of leaves, full of flowers, and the bottom of it you see the stems. And for some situations, I'm sure that's the right way for the plant to look. But I would like my azaleas to be leafy all the way to the ground and to be small, to be two, two and a half feet tall. So that's why mine is pruned the way it is. Oh, when they get too tall, they go for the light and they're all yeah. crooked. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And the ones that I pruned, the big one that I pruned for now five years ago, I guess it was, that was up nine, ten feet tall, big, big leaf indica azalea, and it bloomed great this year after having been taken down to three feet tall, from nine to three, and this year it's about four feet, I guess, and bloomed very nicely. Mr. Reeve, yes, let's sir. face it, we are so good, everything we put in the ground get monster. <laughs> Gets to be monster. <laughs> yeah, uh, <clears throat> speak for yourself, Nicole. <clears throat> I walk around my garden sometimes, and all there are is little dead stems and a, maybe a plant label that I put there last year, and I think, oh, that was where that... I'm thinking right now, yesterday I was looking at a perovskia, which is that gray Russian plant that has really gray foliage, sort of light blue flowers on it. It gets about three feet, four feet maybe tall. Man, I planted that thing really, really well, Nicole, two years ago, I guess now. It is one single stem, one little sorry single stem looking out of the ground like, please dig me up and put me out of my misery. Yeah, not everything gets big in my garden. Maybe in yours, not in mine. Oh, what's happening? Planted the wrong place? You think? It's in the right place. That's what I think is the right place. <laughs> you know, one of those things where the plant just has not read my mind. I think it's in the perfect place. It's in full sun. I dug the soil to make it nice and soft. Everything is ready. I fertilized with my milorganite, and the perovskia is just not happy there. And Darn. I guess I could move it. I could move it. Yeah, I could do it. But I'm tired of messing with it. I may just let it uh, decline right there. But my other plants look good. The other ones that I planted around that same time, they look fine. Including, have you seen the pansies, not the pansies, the petunias from last year that have come back this year? They didn't die over the wintertime. 
The uh, wave of... Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly right. The wave petunias have a little bit of wild, hardy, cold-tolerant petunia in their genetics, and so some of the wave petunias are indeed coming back. Well, you see, I find out there's a lot of stuff go 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 back to to the natural because petunia is natural, are they? They they wild. I believe South American is where the petunia originated, and I think the genetics of the wave petunia resulted from taking some of the pretty hybrids that are very small and sort of like a ball that we, you know, grandma's petunias, and breeding them back to the South American petunias so that you had a little more wildness and a little more ability to spread. And like you say, they've got some of those old genetics that are expressing themselves, and so now they have a little more tolerant of cold, cold winter weather. Everything is in the genes. Everything is in the genes. I had a lady, that, i got to close in a second here, but I had a lady who asked me if I plant the seed of a Fuji apple that I got from the grocery store, what will the offspring look like? Will I get a Fuji apple? And the answer is you'll get half of a Fuji apple, but you'll get half of whatever the pollen contributing parent was. If it was another Fuji, great. Yes, you'll have a pretty close to Fuji-looking apple. But if it was a crab apple, which a lot of the apple orchardists use because crab apples bloom for such a long time and they have you know, lots of bees that work them, and so that's how they get the pollen to the, to the good named apples. And I said that seed could be mostly crab apple when you plant it and it comes up, so don't gamble on that. If you want a real Fuji, then buy a real Fuji tree from nursery. Same as human, isn't it? Yeah, same as humans. You got the pretty gene, I got the handsome gene, but who knows? The rest of our family, they, you know, we're not going to talk about them. <laughs> All right, pretty Mr. Cole, I got to get out of here, but it's good talking to you. Enjoy your day. We'll see you next Saturday at 618, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line, a really nice day today. Showers a little bit later, perhaps. Mr. Sun takes the day off. Mr. Rain will hang out a little while. Uh, cloudy skies mostly in the morning. 40% chance of thunderstorms developing by the afternoon. Afternoon highs, though, in the mid-80s, and it won't be raining all afternoon. The evening rain continues, and we'll go down to the low 60s. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Jeff is out in Rome, Georgia, and Jeff joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jeff, good morning. Good morning, how you doing? Doing fine. How can I help? Uh, I just bought a house, and it has uh, a lot of fruit trees. It's got apple trees, pear trees, uh, plum and peach trees. Awesome. And I was they're just now starting to uh, bloom and grow fruit, and I didn't know if I needed to spray them or put something on them to keep the insects off of them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to get a consistent fruit yield on trees without spraying because, gosh knows, all the bugs in the world love those peaches and plums and apples, and they, they want to eat them as bad as you do. Not to mention the squirrels. We're not even going to talk about squirrels. But, <laughs> yeah, spray. You can go to the garden store and get stuff that's called home orchard spray. It's a mixture uh-huh. of insecticide and fungicide. The key on the home orchard spray is if you have blooms on the plant, you can't spray it because it'll kill the bees. So you have to use just a straight fungicide when the bees are present on the flowers. But once the flowers have fallen off, you can use home orchard spray. Okay. 
And um, one of the other things that, if you've never had trees before, Jeff, that is interesting and something you need to do, and that is to thin the fruit, which means that if you have, like my uh, dad's pear tree, it would have hundreds and thousands of little bitty pears on there. If you let them all develop, none of them will get to any size because the tree just can't support them, can't grow them big. And so on all the apples and peaches and plums and pears, there needs to be about six inches distance between every fruit. That gives you about the right ratio of leaf to fruit to get you know something that you can enjoy and be sweet. So go out there with a little bucket. I take a t- I have about a liter quart bucket, I guess it is, with a handle on it that I tie to my belt loop. And so it's right in front of my belly. And I can reach up in the tree and I can pull all the fruit that I want to and drop it into the bucket as I walk around the tree. And when you get it filled full of fruit and get all your fruit about six inches away from each other, then you throw that in a place away from your orchard. You don't just dump them on the ground, but away from the orchard. And do that and maybe some water if it gets hot and you'll have some fruit, Jeff. This is good. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. All right, man. Drive safely. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. 627 on a Saturday morning. If you have questions about more fruiting things, vegetable things, edible things, grassy things, 404-872-0750. We'll be back right after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 635, 65 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in the garden. Whether you're a beginner or an old-timer, give me a call if you have a question. I'll be happy to put it on a level that we can both both understand. Mary Lee is in Marietta, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Mary Lee, good morning. Good morning. Well, last week I had two rose bushes on the upper side of my yard that were just the leaves were so beautiful, I pruned them back last fall. Nice. And the next day, I, well, I had walked to the mailbox, and the wind was blowing, and the, uh, the uh, guy was uh, spraying the yard, uh-huh. and uh, it was the skins were really blowing my way. Ooh. Well, now it's got some roses on it, but all the leaves just about it are crispy, are crispy, mm-hmm. <laughs> not crispy. Mm-hmm. Uh, crispy. And dead. Should uh, I just? Do you know I mean, what the, the guy gone? was? You know what he was spraying next door? Do you have any clue? I have a, an idea myself. If you could smell it, I think I know what was being sprayed. But did you ask? No, I don't. Idea? And he's never home when I'm home, oh. so I haven't had a chance to uh, speak to him. Of course, he's not going to do anything yeah. about it. But uh, the roses are, are pretty on it, yeah. but the leaves are. And uh, there is a few new uh, sprouts, but uh, am I losing my bush, you think? You may not lose them. And I'll tell you what I have already presumed and assumed from your description of what went on is usually the stuff that is sprayed on lawns for weed control, um, there's – Two or three, two, four D, and and dicamba, and a couple more. And the way that they work on weeds, as well as on any broadleaf plant, is it's a hormone that causes the weed to grow itself pretty much to death. 
and when they very lightly are applied to roses and other non-target plants, the rose leaves and sometimes the stems will grow in sort of an odd, strappy kind of way. But unless it was doused with the chemical, many times plants will come back. And so the weeds that got doused, they're going to be dead in his lawn. The roses next door may well grow through it and not be dead at all. Maybe the leaves that got the most on them will fall off, but the rose itself will continue to grow. And so my feeling here is we simply keep our fingers crossed, Mary Lee. It's, I think, a reasonably good possibility that the roses will grow through it, and that will be the end of that story. You'll still have the plant. Or should I cut them back after the roses bloom? Because, I mean, they look terrible. Is yours a knockout rose, or what do you have? I think they were knockout. I got them a pike. Yeah. They might might not be because I've got several different things, and it was uh, I didn't have any luck with them to begin with. Yeah. And either I way, pruning them back is probably what you want to do because if they're shrubby kind of roses, they like to be pruned after that first big flush of flowers that we have right now. And hopefully we'll give you another flush of flowers a few weeks later, later than the pruning. So, yes, once the rose flowers have been enjoyed by you and start fading, then let's prune it all back and see what happens. How far? Depends on sort of how far it's ugly. <laughs> Prune the ugly well, it's out. ugly almost <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> First time I've done it right because I got that. Can I name a brand? No. Okay, well, I got uh, something that you recommended at Pike Nursery. Oh, good. That's and, good. And uh, uh, fertilized them, and, all, and they were just beautiful. I think the fingers tightly crossed method is what we need to work on right now, Mary Lee. Okay. Take a Thank you so much. Thanks for calling. 39 minutes past the hour, and that gives Rudolph and McDonough his chance. Hey, Rudolph, good morning. Welcome to Lonnie. Good Garden. morning. How are you? Good morning. What's up? <laughs> um, put Roundup on my grass my whole front yard so i want to think can i reseed or do i need to resod uh, rudolph we got to go back before that why did you put roundup on your whole front yard i grabbed the i thought i was grabbing the weed and feed killer uh, and grabbed the wrong jug uh, did not realize that i did that until i went to redo it again and sometimes the labels are in my view, a little confusing because one label that is, has Roundup in it says weed and grass killer. And you think, if you're not really reading the label, you think, okay, weed and grass killer. I'll go out and spray it on my Bermuda and it'll kill the weedy grasses and the weedy weeds. And all of a sudden you realize when you come back that, oh my God, it's all Roundup here. And now yep, the exactly. is dead. So uh, do you see any green at all, Rudolph? Yeah, I just did it yesterday. So it's. Uh-huh. it's it's green. The grass is green. Do you, if you had to guess, would you say you put it on pretty heavily or pretty lightly, or how would you say? Uh, pretty heavily because I had the um, the uh, uh, crabgrass yeah. growing yeah. as well. So I was trying to make sure I got the crabgrass. There are people who have called me and say, I have Bermuda grass in my flower bed, Bermuda grass on the, going out over the sidewalk, how do I kill it? And many times I'll say, well, you can spray it with Roundup, but it may take a couple of sprays to really kill it. It's possible, it's possible, Rudolph, that your Bermuda grass will spottily and then fully recover from being sprayed. Okay, there's hope. There is some hope. I would not at this point make any decision that involves spending money 
until until you've seen that everything is D-E-A-D dead. And that'll be, I would think, 1st of June, you'll know the story. And then by the 1st of June, if we have any kind of you know rainfall and relatively warm temperatures in May, then you may see sprouts and spots of people of, of places in your lawn that turn green, and you think, man, that's where I sprayed the Roundup, but it's coming back. Okay. And if it comes back, my friend, you are out of the woods. You're lucky, and it'll fill in any little holes that maybe got more than the normal amount of Roundup on them. But I would not decide. I would not do anything right now until you know what's happening. That's going to be June. Well, you make me feel better because I stayed up all night just to make this call. <laughs> Go to bed, Rudolph. Go to bed. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right, man. Good luck with it. All right, it's 42 minutes past the hour. We've got Francis in North Lake who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Francis, good morning. Listen, I need your help. What is uh, it? My dogwood tree that I planted last fall, I, I couldn't wait for the leaves to come out. And it, they're green and yellow. Mm. And I wonder what I've done wrong. Mm, and am I watering it too much? But one thing I did. I, I put topsoil with it yeah. when I planted it, and I read yesterday that would rot it. <laughs> no, not necessarily. I mean, if you planted it too deeply because you covered six inches with topsoil or something like that, well, we got problems. But you're a sensible person. You've planted trees before. You've been to this rodeo once or twice before, and so my bet is it's just simple what we call establishment shock or planting shock or mm. the tree is sort of thinking why did Francis move me from that nice nursery where I was so happy <laughs> out here in North Lake where it's hot and sunny and she doesn't water me every day like she needs to uh, how many leaves are on it that are still green Francis uh, well the, the whole thing every leaf on that is green and yellow yeah, how much? How are you watering it right now? Well, I was trying to water it uh, once a week. Do you think I'm watering it too much? No, once a week sounds about right. And you know, I don't live far from you, and I have a dogwood that I planted one, two, three, two and a half months ago now. And I have a one of those green bags. You've seen those green bags? I used to, used to use them along the trees that are planted there along the North Lake Parkway in front of the mm, mm-hmm. Blue Ribbon Grill. And um, so I got one of those plastic bags, and I fill it up with water about once every week, and it trickles water, drip, 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 into the root system. And so oh. at this point, I think that if they're green and sort of yellow, you keep up with the once-a-week schedule and keep your fingers tightly crossed as well. Well, listen, and you think about 30 minutes, uh, let the water run on it. Sort of all depends on how much week. water comes out of your hose. Um, 30 well, minutes at full blast sounds like a lot of water. 30 minutes at a trickle sounds about right. Mm-hmm. So in my case, I would uh, get the hose and make it onto a very slow, like pencil-thin, pencil-thin trickle coming out of mm-hmm. the end of the hose, not full mm-hmm. blast. Pencil-thin. Yeah. Put it right, put the edge of the hose, the end of the hose right next to the trunk of the tree, mm-hmm. and dribble it in there, and leave that on about 30 minutes. That should be fine once a week. Okay, so I shouldn't worry about the green and yellow. Not yet. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thank you very much. You bet, Francis. Thanks for calling. All right, bye. Hopefully a lot of of luck being wished to my callers this morning, hopefully. But if you have a mistake that you've made and you want to know what are the chances of getting out from under it, I have generally a pretty good idea of what will and what won't work in your particular situation. Jan is out in Ackworth and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Jan, hey, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Thanks for taking my call. What's going on? Well, I know this is the wrong time of year for this, but <laughs> i got to ask it anyway. Sure. Uh, I have a 
rose that I planted in my garden last year. It was a rose given to me at the memorial service of my father. Uh-huh. Um, and we are moving. Mm. I would like to take the rose with me, if at all possible. Oh, uh, yes. So the question is, can I possibly move this rose? It's been in the ground one year at this point. I think so. I think so, Jan. I think the way to do it is to go to a liquor store and get one of those nice heavy boxes with handles on the ends, you know, as you have the cardboard right. cutouts. And um, get a black plastic trash bag big enough to fit inside the liquor store box and put a bunch of holes or use scissors to slice holes in the bottom of the bag so it can drain. And go around your rows, dig it up, try to get as many roots as you can, put it back inside the in the plastic bag in the box, Maybe a little more dirt on top of it to nice and, you know, make it nice and soil covered, the root system soil covered. Put it in a shady place until you get it to a new house, but always keep it in the shade from the day you dig until the okay. day you plant. And I think there's a reasonably good chance that rose will come through with flying colors. Okay, should I do generous watering after I replant it, or what should I do about that? It's going to be sort of an art and a science of you observing the leaves on it. Okay. Where are you moving to, Jan? I'm only moving about five miles away. Okay, I'm so moving another place in Ackworth. No, not to New, New Mexico or Florida no, or someplace no. where it's really hot. Uh, I think just keep your eye on it. Water it okay. once a week like the lady with the tree just now. Water it once a week till the rose seems to be doing pretty good even in the heat, and then stop watering. Okay. Should I do any feeding of it no. after I transplant it? No, 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 no. It's, it's too much stress to feed the plant. I think watering will get it established, and then we'll feed okay. it. Okay. has really caught on and start growing maybe in the late summer, early fall. We'll feed it once then. Okay. Sounds great. Thank All you right. so much. Good luck with it, Jan. Thanks. Bye-bye. Coming up in the next half hour, who have we got? Oh, my, what a great lot of load of questions here. Judy wants to know about adding dirt to the yard due to some erosion. Uh, Eric and Emerson has a comment on the Roundup that was sprayed a little bit earlier. We'll get to Eric first thing in a minute. Richard and LJ has wood ashes applying to a lawn. John wants to know the dirt level for hostas growing in a pot. Scott has moss growing on his driveway. Helen says she's got insects on her gardenias. All right, we're going to see if Eric can get in here really, 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 really quickly. Eric, let's join us. One, two, three, fourth line. One, two, three, four, fifth line. One, two, three, four, fifth line. Eric, if you got a quick comment on the roundup, we'll get you in and out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, my 12-year-old, I had a, I went to the big box store, got me uh, some extra strength roundup. Yeah. Uh, my 12-year-old thought it would be fun, you know, to go out in my front yard and write his name. Oh, daddy, daddy. Uh, with, with the roundup. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, of course, I didn't notice, and it took uh, it took at least a week or so before it started dying off. Sure. And, and uh, I'm you know I'm out there cutting the grass. I'm like, what is this brown stuff? And I get back, and I get to look at it. Oh my lord, yeah. he lost his phone privileges for a little bit. But uh, you know, it uh, happens. The, the Bermuda will, yeah, the Bermuda will grow back. It was Bermuda side. And when my son took the weed trimmer and said, "I love you, Dad," in my front lawn, <laughs> it grew back. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, Eric, thanks for the story, and tell that right. son to keep his fingers off Daddy's Roundup from now That's on. It. Thanks, sir. <laughs> All right, we'll see you, man. All right, bye-bye. It's 649. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. With a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. 
Eh, sort of keep your eye on the sky day today. You know, it's going to be 40% to 50% chance of rain, depending on where you are in Atlanta. Highest today in the mid-80s, so it'll be pleasant in some places. Dropping tonight to around the low 60s, we think. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Richard is in LJ and comes up right this minute. Hey, Richard, good morning. Good morning. What you got, Richard? Uh, well, I heat with wood, and I keep my wood ashes in five-gallon buckets Yeah. Uh, in case I need to put them on a snowy road. But in springtime, I put them in the garden. Yeah, sure. So my question is, <laughs> what kind of application is good for vegetable areas in my various uh, raised beds and terraces? It's tougher to advise when you have a raised bed because that's a relatively small concentrated area that you're gardening in. Yeah, I've got some so, onions in some 4 by 8 raised yeah, beds. Yeah. I will that, tell you what uh, I recommend for lawns, and yeah. I'm going to leave it up to you, Richard, to decide whether it's safe to put on a raised bed or not. But for a lawn, I would say 20 pounds of ashes per 1,000 square feet. And you do the math to figure out how many square feet are in your raised beds and how many pounds of ashes should go. But 20 pounds per 1,000 is about right. 20 pounds per 1,000. Now, that would be safe for vegetables. I'm going to let you decide the word safe, but that's what I would recommend for a lawn. And if you can... You know, if you can use the ashes uh, on your lawn or grassy areas to raise the pH of the soil, that's fine. But again, raised beds are a little more concentrated than I feel real comfortable saying, oh, yeah, Richard, go ahead and put, you know, five pounds on every row or anything no, like that. No, no, no. Uh, so when in doubt, go right. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And don't All put right, them down on, your, on the leaves of your collards because they'll keep the ashes on there and it'll taste weird and nasty. And hopefully you didn't, didn't burn anything like plastic or any poisonous things in your fireplace so as long as no, there's I, I'm, I'm very clear about that it's only good hardwood ashes no no uh, chemicals in there yeah well as long as you have you know pretty safe things then go ahead and use ashes on your vegetable garden thanks for calling Richard at 658.